to the show. You're listening to Firearms Cafe. I'm your host, Tony Brown. Today is Sunday, the 2nd of June, 2013. Before we jump into the show, let's get the contact info out of the way. You can contact me several different ways. I have the voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731. Or you can go to the website, which is firearmscafe.com. On the right-hand side of the page is a send voicemail tab. When you click on it, you'll be able to send up to a 90-second message to me using your computer's microphone. You can also record an MP3 or WAV file and email that to me for the show. If you're not comfortable with recording an audio message, please feel free to contact me via email, and I'll read out your comments on the next show. The address for both email and audio content is firearmscafe at gmail.com. Again, that's all one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. I also have a Facebook listener page, a Twitter account, and a YouTube channel. There are buttons for these at the website, so please go there and click on those buttons and like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, and subscribe to me on YouTube. These are all free. Finally, there are the forums at Gun Rights Radio Network, where I have the Firearms Cafe subforum. I'm looking forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you for spending your time with me and listening to the show. Speaking of feedback, we do have one bit of feedback from Michael. On the last show, I talked a little bit about the whole thing about the CAD files, basically the 3D printing, and what had happened with the guy, uh, Cody, who was sort of uh, leading the charge in this stuff, I guess, for lack of a better term. So anyway, Michael writes in, he says, Hi, Tony. I just listened to today's podcast and had a few small points to make on Defense Distributed's release of the Liberator CAD files and the results. YouTube did take down his video, but the official reason for this was use of an unlicensed music track. Cody removed the files at the request of the State Department, as the official reason is that they may violate ITAR, the very same regulation that caused PGP to be banned from export 20 years ago, if you remember that mess. Mega.co.nz, the primary download provider, also removed the files, but not for any legal reason, simply that the site's owner, Kim.com, does not believe that they should be made available to anyone. As for a plastic barrel working, it's a very poor barrel. In my own testing with another engineer, the chamber and bore of the Liberator barrel expanded so much that we don't believe the bullet is actually touching the rifling, but it can be made to work. Granted, it was only getting about 480 feet per second muzzle velocity, but properly made, it can successfully fire a 380 round. Note that we did all our testing at a safe distance, as it really is pushing the polymer construction to the edge. And again, this was at Michael. Now, Michael has a a site that I will uh, put in the show notes over at firearmscafe.com and that's haveblue.org and again I'll link to that so go over there and uh, check that out now it's an interesting thing again and, and kind of one of the things that I had wondered about was well if you could fire it through that plastic barrel how many times could you fire it uh, what kind of results would you get um, how long before you would be in danger of it blowing it up in your hand, or, or are you in danger of that from the very get-go? Now, there were some other places that I looked that had the the CAD file for the the uh, the plastic, the quote-unquote all-plastic gun. And from what I believe, I thought I, I I thought that in the testing 
that they did at Defense Distributed that they were using a nail or something to strike the, the primer. I could be wrong on that, but I thought that's what it was. There was a way, and I can't remember what website I saw it on, but there was a way where the guy had downloaded it and he said, well, you can still do this and make this under ATF rules as long as you're using a metal barrel. And they had a they had rigged up a thing where they had done a metal uh, barrel, or, or I and I don't again I I can't remember the web website for the life of me. If anybody does, uh, shoot me an email and then we can uh, put a link to it on the next show. But that would be a way where you could legally make that firearm. Like I had mentioned in the last show, you can under ATF regulation. And this, again, depending on what state you're in, you can make your own firearm as long as that firearm isn't going to be sold. And I think it can't leave the state as far as as far as I know. So you could make your own like a shotgun. What do they call them? Like a zip gun. And I think I covered some of this. This is kind of rehashing some of the old stuff. But you can look into it. You can go onto ATF's website and look at that stuff. Also, you can Google some of that junk, or if you don't want to use Google, you can use StartPage. Uh, you can go over and use StartPage.com. They use Google search engine. They tie into it, but they don't record your IP address. Uh, so you can actually kind of go through them, and since you're going through them and they're not recording your IP address, none of that stuff gets done. Anyway, uh, I wanted to thank you, uh, Michael, for sending that in. Like I said, that's haveblue.org, and you can go over there and check that out. So a couple other things. I think on the last show, or maybe even the show before last, we talked about Adam Kokesh and that he was going to do that march where he was going to start in one state, end up in D.C., and basically he would be crossing over a bridge. And so he was going to have all these people do it, and they were all going to have rifles. They were all going to sling their rifles. The rifles were going to be loaded. And they were all going to march across. And then they were going to turn around and march back. So they would basically go across state line in, uh, and actually into the D.C. area. Well, it looks like the last thing that I saw, it looks like that he has canceled that march. So, um, which the more I thought about it over the last couple of weeks, the more I kind of thought it was sort of a bad idea. And I thought probably what would have been a better idea and would have accomplished much the same thing, would have been to have everybody meet and march up to a certain point and then just stop. And then you send two guys across who are part of your march, but are not they're not armed at all, and they have uh, you know a banner or something, you know a, a bright a bright green banner, a big orange you know safety orange banner, and then you make the point of. On this side of the banner, you know, I can walk up to this banner where these guys are, but if I set a foot across it, I'm a criminal. And if I stay on this side of the banner, I'm not. And I'm not going into another country where they have totally different laws. I'm still within the United States. I'm still a citizen. I'm not a felon, but if I if I step a foot across this uh, uh, the actual boundary, even though nothing about me has changed, I'm a felon. I'm I'm. Uh, simply for having a certain type of private property. And again, this would be different than, let's say they, you know, DC did something crazy where they outlawed flat screen TVs or whatever. So it would be different than you taking that across 
because this is something that again deals with fundamental human rights that are are guaranteed and codified in the Constitution, which is supposed to be the highest law of the land. Now, kind of speaking of that stuff, I got a call the other day from the Second Amendment Foundation. They basically said that there was a treaty that is going to be signed, but the basically a small arms limitation treaty tape deal. Now, everybody kind of gets wrapped around the axle with this thing, but what happens is Congress has to ratify it. And then even if the president goes ahead and signs it, it doesn't really, from my understanding of how it works, it doesn't mean anything unless Congress goes ahead and ratifies it. Congress is not going to go ahead and ratify this thing. There's, there's absolutely no way that that's going to happen. Uh, it would be political suicide for too many people. Um, so anyway, let me know if you guys have heard anything different about that. Um, like I said, I have, I just kind of, uh, got the call and I haven't really had time to sit down and do the proper research on it. Uh, but again, it would be some new UN treaty having to deal with, uh, limitations on firearms in some, in some manner. Uh, this kind of gets brought up all the time and it, it gets pushed through. And, and kind of put out to our community. And sometimes I think a lot of this stuff is more more fundraising opportunity. And uh, while I do think it is a legitimate threat, I don't think it's as big a threat as certain people make out. That being said, you guys should still be contacting your representatives. You should still, on at least on the, especially on the federal level, you should be contacting your guy who's in the house and you should be contacting your two dudes who are in the Senate. And just, even if it's just a phone call to their office once a week saying, Hey, make sure you do not vote for any anti-gun legislation or any legislation that put restrictions on gun. Boom. And then you're out. And, and you know, if they ask you questions, follow up with them, but you really don't have to, all they're really going to do is they're going to record that you called and that you're basically pro gun. And that you don't want any new legislation, that type of stuff. So, uh, but let me know again if you guys have heard anything on that. Uh, what else has been going on? There was the teacher who, you know, what? Let me pause real quick, and I'm going to look this up. All right, so the guy who actually brought the gun to school was a guy named Daniel Nagel. He's 31. He's been a teacher there in uh, PE for about five years. A fellow, I think it was a teacher. I think it was a teacher, but maybe it was just a regular, um, uh, another employee. I don't know if it uh, could be just a regular staff member there. I guess saw him when he printed. I don't know if he'd been over to do something, but he had the gun on him and... It was not loaded, according to what I'm reading now, but, uh, of course, in Can- it was in Wichita, Kansas, and at the uh, White Elementary School, that's a gun-free zone, so you're not, of course, allowed to bring a gun to school. It looks like in Kansas that the penalty is a misdemeanor, and if it's a first-time offense, he would 
Uh, again, be charged with a misdemeanor, and he could get a $50 fine. I don't know what else uh, the punishment would be. And it looks like he's set to go to court uh, sometime, maybe this month or next month. So, what do you guys think of that? You know, there's a lot of different views. Um, some people would say, well, he, yes, he did break a law and he did disobey a law, but it was an unjust law and it was a law that if you, if you say that the Constitution is ultimately the highest law of the land, you can't really keep him from doing that. Uh, from bringing it in there, so he should be if he if he went to court and if it was a, a jury of his peers, they should find him not guilty because under the spirit of the law, he he maybe broke the letter of the law, but he wasn't he wasn't breaking the spirit of the law. His intent was not to uh, cause harm, but his intent was to to protect the, the students and the other staff members there. Other people would say, well, no, he broke the law, and uh, he knew he wasn't supposed to take a firearm there, and he did it anyway, and so he needs to pay the price for that. And, of course, the anti-gun people are going to say he needs to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law, and it is ridiculous that it's only a misdemeanor, and it needs to be raised up to a felony, and he actually needs to do prison time, and he needs to be fired. So I don't know. It looks it looks like he's been suspended with pay. Uh, Kansas is a pretty conservative state, but what we see is even in, in really conservative states like Oklahoma, Kansas, Arizona, Utah, there are pockets of places, especially in the big cities, where you have a more uh, varied population. And you get more of a liberal or a democratic presence there. And those people typically tend to be more anti-gun. Not all of them, but in general, they're going to be a little bit more anti-gun. So it depends. I'm not really sure what the political situation is in uh, Wichita and in in Kansas in general. So if anybody is from that area, let me know. Let me know... uh, Kind of what's going on locally there? Um, is is there a lot of support for this guy? Is is there a lot of demonization of this guy? Um, I haven't, you know, I, I I haven't been watching too much news lately. Uh, most of the stuff that I, <laughs> the news that I get for the regular mainstream media that I watch is if I'm at the gym on the treadmill or on the elliptical machine and I'm I'm looking at the TVs up above and something comes on that looks interesting, I'll I'll. Uh, I'll kind of plug in and listen that way. So let me know kind of locally what's going on with that. And also let me know what you guys think. Now, some people also would say, well, look, if this dude knew that what he was doing could get him fired or could get him maybe jail time or this or that, then he really should have made sure that if he was bringing a gun that he was that it was truly concealed and deeply concealed. And I don't know, let's see if this says, um, I, I, I don't see anything in this particular article about what he would like, what type of handgun he was carrying. 
But some people would, would also say kind of on a, a little bit different point of view, they would say, well, if he's going to, if he was going to carry concealed, he should have really made sure that it was concealed because he, I'm sure he knows as a teacher that that's a gun-free zone. And what he should have done is gotten that, um, that smart carry or something very similar to that. And for those of you guys that don't know what smart carry is, I'll put a link to that in the, um, in the show notes and you'll be able to kind of see what that is. The way it works is it, it looks like a kind of like a fanny pack, but it doesn't have like the zippered pouch. It's just basically got two pockets. And then I think it's got like a zippered pocket in the back, but basically for carrying a gun or maybe a, a, a an extra magazine, you the way that you wear it is low on the hips, so it goes in between your pants and your underwear. So from the outside, nobody sees anything. And if you were using something small like a um, a Ruger LCP or like one of the Keltex or one of the Diamondback pistols, one that's real small, real thin, you could slip that in there. You could probably now. I don't have any experience with the Smart Carry. So I don't know if you could get away with something like a Glock, uh, maybe the Glock 26, or if you would want to go, you know, maybe stick with something uh, smaller, again, like the uh, LCPs or like the SIG 380s, something like that. Or um, what's the newest Ruger? Is it the L? No, gee, I can't think of it now. Anyway, Ruger has that small 380. I think it's a little bit bigger. So again, if that were me and I felt after a lot of soul-searching, that I needed to have a firearm with me in that school. I would make sure that I had a gun that was concealable, number one, and then I would make sure that I had a way to conceal it where it would be absolutely 100% concealed and that nobody is going to bump into the side of me or my shirt's not going to lift up and it's going to print because I'm wearing an inside the waistband holster. So I don't know. Again, let me know what you guys think on this stuff. One final thing I wanted to mention and then we'll start to wrap up the show. In the past, I talked about that I was going to try and, and maybe pare down some of my my firearms and some of my options and stuff. And I was going to try and stick with maybe the AK platform. And, um, I, you know, I, I have all the typical reasons for that, that some guy, you know, they talk about the reliability, you can talk about the cheaper ammo, blah, 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 all that stuff. Well, what I was thinking of the last probably, oh, three or four weeks or so is that I, I may end up, and I think I'm, I'm going to, but you know, when all this nonsense kind of kind of calms down with the ammo and the uh and the magazines and everything and you know what before we do that let me let's talk a little bit about the availability of ammunition the availability of magazines and kind of what's going on with that the some of the stuff that i've heard and i've I've heard this on on uh tom gresham's show is that, well, this may be the new normal. You know, we always may be trying to scramble for ammo and this and that. Well, that's, I, I don't, number one, I don't believe that's true. If you look at what happened back in 08 up through basically 2010, when things kind of got back to normal, was what I saw at least, what I observed was, is that ammo was gone, firearms were gone, 
in magazines, it was very, very difficult to get. It wasn't as bad as it is now, uh, but it was still pretty bad. But what you saw happen was is that ammunition kind of started to trickle back in. But you saw first was that magazines started becoming more available, and then pretty much right on the heels of that, you started to see that a lot of the, the firearms and rifles that had been bought up were now starting to make a comeback. Uh, primarily, and again, I, I talked about this a long time ago, but primarily, look, you can only, people only have so much money and you can only buy so many things. So uh, eventually what happens is it's simple economics. You've got supply and demand. And as demand is starting to go down because nothing really nutty has happened, Supply is going to start to catch up. People are going to say, well, I've got my 10,000 rounds of 7.62 by 39, or I've got my 10,000 rounds of you know, 5.56, and I, so I think I'm, I'm okay and I'm going to back off for now. I bought my case of magazines, so I've got my 50 magazines. And also what's going to happen is Probably within the next six six months or so, give or take some, I think that you're going to start to see people that have those fifty or a hundred magazines are going to say, "What the? What am I doing with this? I don't I don't actually need this many." And so they're going to say, "You know what? I'm going to be fine. Instead of a hundred, I can keep fifty of them, and I can rotate kind of ten of them, and then just keep the other forty as a reserve. So I basically will have a lifetime supply of magazines." Um, oh, kind of on that thing too, for a while you couldn't buy the springs, you couldn't buy base plates, all this other stuff. That stuff and followers, that stuff is all starting to come back. Uh, I'm starting to see that. I'm also seeing the prices are dropping. They're not back yet to what they were. Although I did see from, I think it was FireQuest, they had PMAGs. I don't remember what they were the non, I think they were the non-windows. And they were going for $15 a piece. So those are back, at least there, are back to to the pre, to, uh, to this latest big scare that we've had, the, the election and the shooting, the Newtown shooting. So I think that, uh, again, what's going to happen is, is it, probably in about six months, a lot of this stuff that was very scarce is going to come back. Uh, a lot of people that have bought a ton of stuff are maybe going to try and start selling them at the gun shows because they're realizing, well, I kind of overreacted. Uh, it's going to be the same thing that people are who bought maybe four uppers and 12 lowers uh, and 10 parts kits are going to realize, you know what, maybe I don't need all this stuff. Maybe I'll, I'll put these on, you know, Backpage or I'll put them on Gunbroker. And as the market kind of becomes flooded and, and those things sit there, again, demand for those things is, is going to go down. So the price is going to go down because the supply is going to be high. But let me know what you guys think. Do you think I'm kind of right on, on what my timeline is with that? Do you think uh, it's going to maybe be at least another year or so? Uh, but what I remember, too, kind of getting back to the, the Tom Gresham thing is, you know, where he was saying, oh, this is going to be the new normal and the, and the ammunition companies are, are pumping out stuff as just as fast as they can, which I believe is true. Now, what I don't believe is that this is going to be the new normal. Uh, and I had heard this same stuff from people back in 09 and, and 10. Oh, this is the new normal. There's more people that are getting involved, which is all, which is true. There are definitely more and more people 
that are buying guns who never bought them before, whether those are handguns or rifles or whatever. And those people, now that they've got those things, they realize that they've got kind of some skin in the game because they're going to become gun owners. Oh, you know what? Another. Uh, so anyway, let me know what you guys think about that. Here's another thing. The next time you hear when they're talking about numbers of gun owners, they always say, well, the population is approximately 310 million. And of that, there's probably 80 million gun owners. And so that means that there's this percentage of the population that has that are that has firearms. And what they make that seem like is that all of those 310 million people are eligible to own firearms, which is not true. Uh, you have a, a, a large amount of people. What do we got? Like three, three or I want to say it's like three, almost four million people, which is terrible, that are in prison. Uh, there are a lot of people who are have had run-ins with the law and maybe did something when they were younger and they're felons and now they can never own legally firearms. Now they may have them uh, outside the law. I don't know. You have people that are just too young. You have people that while they could own them, maybe as they've gotten older, feel, eh, you know, I just, I, I can't really handle these anymore or, or my, and so they, you know, uh, while they in, in theory could be uh, eligible to have them because of certain maybe health reasons and things like that, they just don't. Uh, so, of the people that are actually eligible to own them and have them, uh, you know, it's it's actually when when we talk about the ratio or the percentage of people, it, you can't just go by well, this is the total population. What you really need to look at is these are the this is this is the amount of people that we think own guns. This is the amount of people that would actually be eligible to do that, and. Both of those numbers really that, that you get are going to be inaccurate because there's a lot of people, I guarantee you, that would be completely 100% legal to own guns, but they've bought them through, uh, let's say, face-to-face -face sales or they've, they've inherited them, and they're never ever in a million years going to report that they have firearms. So, uh, again, that number when they say it's about 80 million, it's definitely more. You could probably easily add another 10. And, again, with that 80 million... And I'm not saying it should be added, but you got to realize that the criminal element, they all got guns. So uh, anyway, getting back to the AKAR thing. One of the primary reasons I was thinking about getting a, an AR-15 or an AR-15 type, it's very common. The felt recoil is almost next to nothing. So that you can have a smaller frame person or, in my case, my wife, or as my daughter gets older and is, in, and is getting into her teens, she would be able to handle that. And she would be able to make, and both of, both of them would be able to make better follow-up shots. Um, the, the buttstock and everything is going to be adjustable. They can, you can pretty much customize it. And I'm not talking about putting tons of crap on there, but you can put a couple of things on there that are going to make that gun their gun. And what I'm thinking about doing is, again, once all this stuff kind of uh, kind of boils down and uh, things get back a little bit to normal, I was actually thinking about building my own. And so I wanted to get some, again, this is going to be, you know, six months, maybe even to a year out. 
but I, I, I wanted to get like what was what's going to be a good a good uh, a good lower, and what's a good parts kit to get, and then should I just buy a, like a pre-made upper, or should I kind of try and do that all on my own too? Um, I'm no gunsmith, but I'm no idiot either. Although that has been debatable. And so I feel that none of that is, is beyond my scope. Um, I don't feel that there's, on, on that front, that there's nothing that I can't accomplish or couldn't do. So let me know what you think. I know people have said that sometimes, depending on, on what you do, that it's cheaper to build your own. Even if you're using kind of some higher-end parts, because you're able to get exactly what you want and you're probably going to come out with maybe a bigger or not bigger um, with a better quality rifle than if you were buying one of the real high-end ones um, now again the super high-end ones you're still kind of taking what they're giving you whereas opposed if you're sort of doing it on your own uh, which I like I like the idea of if you're doing it on your own you can you can make it to, to, to what you want now Getting back again to that old AK versus the AR thing, you know, you always have, oh, there's reliability on this side, there's um, accuracy on this side, blah, blah, blah. Probably what I would be using that or deploying that thing for would be in-home. So you're not necessarily reliability and accuracy at those short ranges that would be inside your house ranges aren't going to be one of the things that you're necessarily going to have a lot of concerns with. If that gun is in your home and it's, you know, it's in your safe or it's down by the bedside or however you've got it secured to where you're going to get access to it, it, it hasn't been sitting out in the mud. It hasn't been caked with dirt. So, a lot of the concerns that I maybe kind of had before, you know, a lot, have, have all kind of gone away. I've, I've kind of set aside a lot of the myths that I've uh, that I've kind of put on both of those platforms. Uh, they're both, I think, really good platforms. Uh, but I think probably for for us, and I'm not I'm not going to get rid of my AK. But I think for us, as a almost like a family defense gun. Uh, I'd like to get maybe a couple ARs, and again, that may be the thing. I may I may try and build just a couple of very serviceable ones so that everybody in the family could have their own rifle. Uh, you know what? I think I have rambled on quite a bit. Let me uh, again. Let me know what you guys think on the Adam Kokesh thing. Let me know what you think on um, the Wichita teacher who brought the gun to school. Let me know what you think on the AR versus AK. Let me know about good parts kits and good lowers who makes a really good lower what's going to give me the most bang for my buck and because i'm doing it i'm going to be doing this thing piecemeal i've I've pretty much decided that this is what i'm going to do but i know i realize it's going to take me a while to do it Uh, and i'm not in a rush because i had i had kind of set myself up okay with my ak platform stuff with my magazines with ammunition with my rifle so i i feel that i'm good to go with with a home defense rifle. Hey guys, let me give you some recommendations on some other podcasts that I listen to and I think that you'll like. Most of these I'm sure you're already listening to anyway. I always mean to do this at the end of the show, but I I always kind of forget. Anyway, there's the Rimfire podcast with Ken. There is the Road Gunner podcast with Chaz. 
There's New Shooter Podcast with Nick. Uh, Daniel and John have Gunfighter uh, Podcast. There's the Gun Dudes with Travis and Carl and Tommy and Stan and Steve and whoever else they got. Um, there is, they haven't done one in a long time. I don't know if they're still doing them, but I always liked Liberty or Zombie. Um, there is with Shooter Jan and uh, Chuck D. There is, let's see, who else? Who am I forgetting? I'm trying to do this off the top of my head. Oh, there's a Pro Arms podcast. There is, um, did I say Gunfighter podcast already? I think I did. But if I didn't, there's Gunfighter con- uh, podcast. There is um, Safety Solutions, which is a good one. Uh, and I'm probably leaving a couple out, but I just can't think of them off the top of my head. Um, there is, uh, let's see, Tom Gresham has Gun Talk and Michael Bain has Downrange Radio. All those shows, all good shows, all got something that you can get something out of. So, all right, guys, I will talk to you next time. Take care. Superhuman strength.